The blueberry industry is like no other. Passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the production, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. I'm really excited for today's episode for a couple of reasons. First, it's one of my favorite topics, answering the question of how can we expand the demand for blueberries globally? And second, joining me on the episode is one of our very own USHBC and NABC Vice President, Alicia Adler. Welcome to the podcast, Alicia. Thank you. I'm excited to be doing this with you. Yeah, well, and maybe should have done sooner than later because I am excited about talking about what you do for us in the blueberry industry and what you've been doing for us for some time now. You've been on the export side of things for about five years, but maybe you can kind of talk a little bit and explain to everyone what your role has been historically and, and of course, now how it's evolved to today. Yeah, sure. Um, I've Well, I've worked in international market development in the specialty crop industry for various crops. Uh, most of my career. Prior to that, I worked a little bit in politics and got out of that quickly. Specialty crops is a really exciting place to be, especially from the perspective of U.S. agriculture. I started working in the blueberry industry in 2015 as a consultant and grant writer, and I was really brought on board to help build the grant funded activities and programs of the council, which were intended to help grow our export program. And then as of last year, I've been a full-time staff member, which has been a really fun ride, and charged with a more comprehensive trade program, both working with the NABC and USHBC to take a more holistic approach to developing export markets. Maybe you can kind of talk a little bit about those dynamics. You know, there is this like we go in and we spend resources, market development, but but before we even get there, you know, you, you have this other side of the business where, you know, we work towards opening those markets and that involves, you know, a lot of early efforts, let's say. Yeah, I mean, developing export markets is not just about promotion and advertising. Trust me, that's the fun part. I recall from a previous episode, your conversation with Tom Avanellis about delighting customers and watching a, a young consumer in Southeast Asia try blueberries for the first time is very joyful experience and exciting. But in order to get there, we need to remove and address the barriers to trade. And many of them are technical. Many of them require research, data, and equipping our growers with the tools and resources they need to meet the different standards, not necessarily growing standards, but the different standards of other countries. And, you know, that requires both effort from the NABC and what they're capable of doing and then utilizing resources through USHBC to really drive demand and work on those promotional efforts. Yeah, it's totally true, right? That, that the first step is getting that market to open and there's just a lot of politics and sometimes drama around which ones we can get access to and how long it takes. But I know we've broken into at least two big announcements this year and one last year. So maybe you can kind of talk about track record right now. We've, we've seen some doors open that, you know, we're hoping to continue to walk through and bring others with us. So maybe you can kind of 
give us an update on what's what's happened this year and you know what's exciting yeah i mean we headed into the u.s production season with two major market access achievements we opened china for fresh blueberries and we also opened the philippines and working on market access and protocols for exporting that are agreeable and feasible for us growers to meet is a lengthy process it took many years to get there a lot of people played a part in that and organizations played a part but opening those markets i mean before you can promote or sell blueberries you have to open it the country has to allow importation of that product and in some cases other countries have access to them and are actively selling them but the us there's no protocol in place or agreement in place they don't have access and they can't ship so first and foremost we have to open markets and make sure that every market is not only open but also understand and address some of the trade barriers that are also tacked onto that, uh, many of which are now in related to tariffs. So while we opened China, we still face additional tariffs on top of what their most favored nation rate is. And in the Philippines, it's a little less. And the U.S. is one of the only supplier of blueberry that has access to the Philippines. So the tariff is not as much of an issue, but you know, that could be a huge barrier to trade. And that's something that the North American Blueberry Council is really working on moving forward. Uh, You can hear the passion that you have for the job you do on behalf of the industry. I mean, I've known it and maybe you can kind of just talk a little bit about that, that you know, you see this opportunity in continuing to push and push and push and, and, and get growers to be involved. Where does that come from? What, what's that, you know, what, what do you see about this opening of markets and market development for U.S. blueberries that keeps you focused on this every day? Good question. I would say that, I mean, it, it comes down to untapped opportunity. And as an industry, Growers, packers, marketers need to look beyond North America in every sense. Um, They need to, I I mean, imagine reliving the blue wave globally, the blue wave of consumption and demand that happened over the past 20 years in North America and the United States mainly, which made this the most, the largest, most popular market to sell blueberries in. Imagine if you replicate that consumption and that demand increase globally, the population and the number of consumers that could potentially consume our product grown in the U.S., I mean, is exponentially greater than the population here in the U.S. And if you look at the population size of that middle upper income class consumer and what they can afford and what they're looking for in their food, the blueberries check all the boxes for them and they meet their needs. Now, you have to communicate with them in a different language, literally and figuratively. You have to understand where they shop, where they consume information. But the USHBC is the is the only organization that has a budget and has the ability to reach them. And that opportunity, you know, and, and understanding that the needs of a consumer in the United States are not that different than consumers globally. Okay. And yeah. But if that's true, why don't we just focus on what we're good at, keep the fruit here? Why, why is, you know, what is it that the export market 
presents to us that we can't just accomplish domestically with those same dollars? Because other countries produce and were established with the concept of exporting and they grow, they pack, they ship to export primarily to North America and increasingly to Europe. So they have to understand um, both uh, varieties that grow in their region according to their climate. They have to understand international growing protocols and and, um, standards. And they also have to understand logistics and quality, ensuring that quality upon arrival will meet expectations of the North American consumer. But from the U.S. perspective, they've, they've really enjoyed the largest market in the world in their backyard. But from here, as we're seeing, there's more and more supply and more and more pressure on the domestic market. And in order to alleviate that pressure and sustain prices, we have to look elsewhere. We have to have that capability and flexibility to move product off the North American market. And that's the reality. Well, and, and I think it's something that helps diversify a grower or a marketer's portfolio of client base and where their dependency lies, right, for you know their production. But you know, I think about the resources of USHBC, and I've had it said to me that it would make more sense if you take those same dollars and keep piling them into demand-driving opportunities here in the United States. Why don't you just stay focused on creating the demand we need to see to kind of suck up the supply we're seeing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're basically saying like, well, there's more to it. It can't just be do what you've been doing and expect different results. Right. And I wouldn't say that it's, I think if you continue, continue to focus on this market, you're just, you're missing opportunity for an even more profitable future. And if you can master exploring it and taking those risks, there is benefit to finding those opportunities offshore where you could benefit from a more unique and profitable marketplace. Well, and and I think what I like about your program, or at least our program here at USHBC, the, the work you do to fund this activity. And, you know, I've had this conversation with growers about, you know, it's not as if this is a hundred percent of USHBC assessment dollars going to export activity. So maybe you can kind of talk a little bit about how we get these matching funds and how USDA has this program set aside so that there is a little bit of an understanding that this is our country's program efforts to put our products in more places around the world. We're just so happy to be representing the blueberry aspect of it, but you do a really good job of kind of chasing these dollars down. So maybe you can kind of talk about that. Yeah. I mean, so the majority of the export committee's budget annually is funded by foreign agricultural service trade programs. There's about five that we participate in now. And one of them is really competitive, the market access program or MAP. And there's a lot of agricultural commodity groups that participate in that program. You know, we get annual funding from that program, but there's also other programs that are really undersubscribed. And so what we've done with our export program budget is identify all of our needs, all of our issues that we have from an export perspective, and then find these programs that other groups aren't necessarily utilizing as much as we could and take advantage of all of them and use them for different purposes. So we have, you know, promotional programs funded by the market access program, the technical assistance for specialty crops, uh, the blueberry industry is the largest subscriber of that program now. And we have 
three ongoing projects to address various technical barriers to trade. We also utilize the Emerging Market Program and the Quality Samples Program to conduct market feasibility and ship samples, specifically process products to emerging markets. So like I said earlier, it's not just promotion. We also need to address the technical issues and make exporting easier. So it's more of a feasible option for U.S. growers. Well, and I think as you're talking, and I'm sure people are listening, it sounds complicated. And like there's a lot going on in this space that requires this kind of attention. And and I think when you look at USHBC as an organization, certainly the, its relationship to NABC, there is a specific need for this. I think, you know, the work of, you know, showing where these opportunities exist, the studies that get developed and the dollars that are available for the industry to kind of relieve that domestic pressure. But, you know, when you look at where these programs take us around the world, one of the things you 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 may find, or maybe you can speak to this, you know, growers will say, well, we'll go open that market. And then, you know, another country is going to come in and just take it away from us because they can grow it cheaper. What's your sense of, you know, folks that want to say that it's not worth it in that way? Yeah, I mean, there is that competitive nature and in markets there are, and really it comes down to tariffs and the trade agreements that are in place between the market country and the supplier. And in some cases, the U.S., their global competitors have better trade advantages than the U.S. However, the U.S. has the greatest reputation globally for food safety and consistent quality agricultural products, especially blueberries. In addition to the fresh market and the fresh supply, North America has an even greater advantage in the frozen and further processed markets. North America is the leading supplier of these products globally. And so promoting blueberries as an ingredient or within the frozen market and frozen marketplace and at retail food service and ingredient use is equally important. And what we're seeing now as exports develop is that these parts of the industry are growing even faster than fresh exports. So it's equally important to not only find I find opportunities and address challenges and for the for the fresh uh, crop, but also work with processors and frozen suppliers to develop opportunities in these other markets. And I found that, you know, while there are, and, and you can't dismiss those competitive advantages of other competitive suppliers in terms of which really comes down to price, there is in the long run enough of a market globally for the U.S. to have an advantage. And I found just anecdotally that internationally, consumers care more about product being grown in the USA than sometimes USA consumers believe. And that's not going away. And that's definitely an advantage. Now, we, you know, at the same time, we have to continue to work with the US government to ensure that US growers are able to take advantage of these markets and communicate the demand, but also address the barriers. Well, and I know you have a few things kind of up your sleeve in the year ahead to kind of play off of those marketing opportunities that are uniquely for U.S. grown blueberries. So I, I kind of want to bring it home with, 
you know, bringing one of our grower marketers into this conversation, Stacy Spivey, Director of Business Development, North America at Alpine Fresh. But before we dive deeper into the conversation with Alicia and Stacy, it's time for a crop report. We really enjoy getting our group together to record these each week. There is always important information shared and plenty of personality to go with it. So here, once again, is your Blueberry Crop Report. It's time now for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from those in the field. Today you'll hear from Jason Smith in British Columbia, Brian Sakuma in Washington, Doug Kramer in Oregon, Rex Schultz in Michigan, and Luis Vegas with a report from Peru. This was recorded on August 26, 2020. Jason Smith, British Columbia, Canada. We're kind of at this point, most uh, blue crop and all the other earlier season varieties are pretty much wrapped up. There might be a little bit of last pick over the next week. A lot of guys have gone into their Elliott and, you know, I'd expect by early next week, a lot of the first pick of Elliott will be off. And then following that, guys will be starting their Aurora sometime early next week. I think some last call may have already been been harvested and stuff. Definitely cooler, foggy mornings, um, having to wait for the plants to dry off to start harvest in the morning and stuff. So um, other than that, not too much going on. Uh, quality seems quite good at this point. I'm Brian Sakuma from Washington. The eastern Washington crop is pretty much finished. There's a few late varieties that people are finishing up on, but most of the volume is in the barn, as we would say. Eastern Washington and both south and, and north, we're probably finishing up blue crop in the middle of our liberty and just starting our Elliott crop. And we can see the light at the end of the tunnel coming here so we're getting down there to the end okay this is doug from oregon we are getting close to being wrapped up for the season down on our lower elevations in our valleys might have another pick left on some of the old latest varieties most of the fruit from oregon is now coming from higher elevations or microclimates in the area that will hold some of this late season fruit and it looks like we have a good 10 days or so of really good weather coming at us to uh, keep this fruit in good shape i would say this has been a really good quality year it might rank up there close into the top five quality wise but certainly price wise it doesn't come close to some of the years we've had in the past. The stress level on blueberry growers, similar to most other uh, hand harvested crops, has been really high this year for obvious reasons. So at this point, that's what Oregon's looking like. Thank you. Hey, good morning. This is Rex out of Michigan and uh Right now, we're enjoying some warm weather. Um, a lot of irrigation has been going on here because the rainfall has been very, very sparse over the last three, four weeks in particular. The crop is still looking good. Um, right now, the harvest, uh, and we also have 
a little bit of a labor issue down here and uh, with the COVID testing, some of the farmers have actually gone to machining because of, they've lost labor because of the mandatory testing. But uh, overall, we're holding in there pretty good. We're um, looking for a average season this year as far as quantity goes. I think we're going to be about where we were last year and around that 90 million pounds total profession process. Overall, we're, we're happy with the quality, still staying firm on the bush, and that's important to us. And uh, that's about all right now. Uh, so this is Luis with the report from Peru. So up until the end of week 33, that is the week ending on August 16th, Peru has export into the U.S. 15.4 million pounds versus 8.4 million pounds from the previous season. This volume represents 30% of the total volume sent over the U.S. Uh, during the course of the whole season. Pretty much every, every all of the, the growers that are forecasting in sending fruit into the U.S. are, are stand, starting in week 33. Regarding our forecast for the whole season, we keep the same forecast as we reported uh, on last week uh, with 180 million pounds. That represents an increase of 25% in volume versus the previous season uh, when Peru sent 144 million pounds. We are going to keep you informed uh, during the course of the, of the following weeks, especially now that the season is starting to, to, to light up more in, in Peru. But up to this point, we have the same forecast as last week. And, and just to finish off, up to this point of the season, the U.S. represents for, uh, has a participation of 45% of overall Peru's exports. Second is Europe with 30% of the whole volume. Uh, however, we see that Europe has, has the highest percentage increase versus the previous season. This season, uh, Peru has sent 150% more volume into Europe than the previous season. Thanks again to our growers who take time, even in harvest, to provide this information. We try to get these crop reports out on the same day the podcast is released, so make sure you're subscribed to the show to get this information as soon as it's reported. Joining Alicia and I is Stacy Spivey. Stacy is the Director of Business Development North America for Alpine Fresh, which is a grower, packer, and shipper of fresh fruits and vegetables with a worldwide business network of doing business in production areas such as Argentina, Brazil, Canada, Chile, Ecuador, Guatemala, Mexico, Peru, and the USA. Stacy has worked in the vegetable industry and in ag software sales, but since 2011 has been exclusively focused on berries. Earlier this year, he was also appointed to the USHBC Export Committee. Stacy, thanks for joining us in the conversation today. Thanks for having me on, Casey. Uh, really appreciate you doing that, and I've been appreciating uh, these podcasts you've been doing. So um, thanks for having me. So Stacy, one thing that we've been working on since you've been on the Export Committee is developing new markets for blueberries. From your perspective as an exporter from the U.S., in your mind, what are the biggest opportunities and where are those emerging markets for U.S. production? Uh, yeah, Alicia, well, first I should probably start out by saying I'm, I'm really a rookie at the U.S. export deal. There's, there's other veterans that have been doing it for quite a while, and um, you know I've learned a lot from those guys, and I see U.S. exports as basically the natural 
reaction to these other regions of the world importing into the U.S. So I think it's a nice complement to that. And it's got potential to do great things for the U.S. blueberry grower. Yeah, I, I hear you say, you know, you're kind of describing, you know, the the ability for us to move fruit in places, you know, well, we're seeing fruit landing in our market. And, you know, when you're looking at your experience to date, you know, I, I think you're a little bit more further along than a rookie, but but appreciating that perspective, you know, from a company standpoint, like how much time are you spending thinking about those export markets in comparison to your domestic business? How is this informing how you're making business decisions? Well, you know, we had kicked around export opportunities. So it was, was kind of in our thoughts. Uh, we hadn't really formed a plan of action. Once we found out that, that Southeast Asia was opening up, you know, Vietnam was opening up, Philippines down the pipeline, which has now opened up, it just seemed like the right time. Uh, we're, we're in a comfortable position uh, domestically. So we've got some resources we can, you know, have focus on on U.S. export. And I just think it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity. It's, it's a good timing. I think, you know, as Peru comes in earlier and these other regions emerging, uh, production regions emerging, it's just a, it's, it's the natural ebb and flow, uh, in, in my opinion. So last year, we really just hit the ground running with primarily Southeast Asian exports from the U.S. And it picked up really quickly. There's some challenges there, some some things that we'll take some working through, but basically the opportunities there, uh, we see that that it's definitely worth our time. You know, one thing I'll say is we're based on the East Coast primarily. We have operations in the Northwest, but, you know, our roots are on the East Coast and uh, it presents challenges being, being on this side of the country uh, when you're when you're talking about Asian exports. But you know, overall, uh, if COVID hadn't hit, <laughs> we would probably be neck deep in it right now. But when COVID-19 struck, we had just gotten all of our East Coast operations certified to ship to Vietnam. And we were excited about it, um, looking forward to it. The growers were pumped, you know, and we were, we were poised to start first week of March. And as you know, that's about the time COVID got really serious. I think we were, you know, it was just poor timing on the whole deal. But we're definitely excited still. It's just uh, this year has been a challenge. But, you know, that's the good thing about it is this, these markets are so new. They're still there for us to, uh, to take advantage of uh, when, when things clear up. Yeah, Stacey, I mean, um, last year and into this year, you know, that was really when you and I started to work more closely in getting the packing houses, which is a requirement for certain markets like Vietnam, China as well, to register to be on an approved list of packing facilities that can ship to these markets. So you were one of the first marketers representing Southeastern blueberry production to register. And that's what struck me as interesting because, you know, typically the West Coast is the largest exporting region in the U.S., and kind of walking through the process with you, obviously, from my point, it was, you know, from a technical uh, nature, we have some promotional efforts there, but you were really dealing with getting the fruit on the airplane <laughs> and getting it overseas. You know, you mentioned logistical issues 
obviously as a result of the pandemic, but what are additional challenges that growers face in exports and do they have to grow differently? Do they have to pack differently? Like what, what are the special considerations that they need to consider when pursuing an export market? Well, you know, so the USDA sends their branch called APHIS in to certify the facility, you know, make sure they understand the guidelines. It's really not that hard of a process. I'd say probably the biggest thing that needs to be worked on from a regulatory perspective would be just to standardize guidelines. You know, it's, it's really hard for a marketer or a, a grower shipper to have multiple guidelines they have to meet to ship into the countries. And, you know, right now it's, it's a little spotty, but I, you know, I think once, once things get a little more standardized, it's going to make it a lot easier on the regulatory side. Uh, packaging wise, I would say there's really not that many issues there. Um, those guys are, they like the 4.4 ounce in, in, a, in a lot of these areas, especially uh, Southeast Asia. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a price perspective point of sale for their citizens. And, uh, and it's quite all right. Sometimes we have berries here in the U.S. that are too large to go in a 4.4 ounce cup to to make the weight. So there's there's some issues, but I I wouldn't really call them issues. It's just maybe more of a a challenge. A learning curve? (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's what it is, a learning curve. A lot of those, a lot of those. Well, and I was going to say, you know, part of what we hear from growers, uh, you know, and, and marketers in particular, is just the the learning curve is so great. In fact, you know, I've had it said to me, you know, from folks who import into this country, you know, as to, you know, what we're getting ourselves into by trying to export and import into other countries, because it is a lot of work. And we do recognize the barriers that other countries have in place for our country in particular, you know, whether it's trade issues or otherwise, but, but you seem to find that it's worth the, worth the work. I'm, I'm very optimistic. Uh, I think there's vast opportunities out there. There's huge populations that we could reach. I've got the confidence in, in the quality uh, of U.S. blueberry growers. I think, you know, if we could just get an opportunity to get in any region in the world, we would make a good, uh, a good showing. And every time you guys say, you know, post on your website, uh, new emerging region, then uh, I'm all ears. So it's exciting. There's so many opportunities out there. Just going to take some more vetting and uh, conversations and travel, frankly. You know, when things loosen up a little bit and, and everything's more normal, we'll, we'll get out and, and do a lot of face-to-face conversations with these folks and keep pushing the envelope. All right. Well, this has been a great episode. Uh, thank you, Alicia, for uh, jumping in today. Uh, I, you know, we'll turn it over to you and just kind of, what do you hope people to take away from the conversation we had today? You know, about our program work and, in particular, you know, what you what you do for us. I guess you know, I would say I challenge the industry. I challenge them to evaluate their notion and perspective of their target consumer. I challenge them to look beyond North America, look to USHBC, look to the NABC to help address the barriers. We're working on them. They're important. There's a lot of work to do, but there's light at the end of the tunnel and we'll get there. We need to get there. And that's, from my perspective, the path forward over the next several years. 
Well, and, and if somebody wanted to get involved with your work in particular, getting involved with exporting, like what's the steps? What do you do next? Like somebody who hears Stacy share a little bit about the success he's had or the work he's been doing, you know, following our efforts, opening these markets, what would you say is their lead into trying to figure this out? Yeah, I mean, depending on what their needs are, the uh, USHBC export database is a great resource. We provide market sizing, consumer information, trade data, as well as competitor tariff information to really understand the U.S. opportunity there. It's from a U.S. perspective, so you're really going to see what the opportunity is from a U.S. grower's perspective. And I'm always available. Um, Reach out to me. Uh, I'm always happy to um, answer questions, work on issues. We're available. We're here. And we have an international team of in-country resources as well. So if you have specific needs or challenges in a market, um, we very likely have someone either in-country or in the region that can help you or direct you to the government resource if need be. But, you know, the expert database is a great resource as well as our website which has um, information on the food technology and manufacturing side, which is definitely a growing part of our business. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today. I think this has given a lot of people some things to think about, some insights on just you know how valuable this part of our portfolio of work on behalf of the industry really is to, to everyone who is involved. Uh, certainly, we have some great success stories of people who have been able to take advantage of these open markets, but there's also, like you said, a lot more room to run, a lot more runway for our industry to help kind of grow the global demand for blueberries. And and I guess that kind of leads me to my key takeaways, you know, and I, and I, I had this opinion, uh, you know, formed already, but I think just hearing this conversation today and, and, uh, and listening to Stacy being another example of this uh, for our efforts, but just the idea that the world needs more blueberries and there's a lot of world left out there who, you know, to your point about the story of that young person who hadn't had one before who got to enjoy one for the first time. Like we can't imagine it here in the United States, like a world without blueberries, but there are people who we haven't reached yet. Uh, And I think it's our job as USHBC to kind of fulfill that, that vision we discussed, or I mentioned earlier about being that global leader I think the industry expects it. I mean, there really isn't another organization position like USHBC is to move blueberries, uh, not just domestically in our marketplace, we do that, but but also to be looking around the globe to find out where can blueberries go next. And, you know, the other thing I would say as a key takeaway from, you know, this conversation today, but also in conversations I've had with growers before, it's what you said earlier that if if we're not opening these markets and putting these blueberries and I think Stacy actually put a fine point on it if 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 we're not moving our fruit into these other countries then our fruit's staying here and and if those doors aren't open in those other markets then those markets don't get developed and then that fruit is otherwise coming to our market here in the United States so those importers also wouldn't benefit from the work we do opening these markets and and again increasing global demand everywhere so it's just such an important job what you do, Alicia. We're counting on you. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> so again, thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been a great conversation about our export activities and the work we're doing. And if you want to learn more, uh, obviously you can reach out to Alicia anytime, but we would definitely encourage you to join us uh, for our next export committee meeting. But the entire week of what we hope will be a uh, 
effort of getting people together when we can't otherwise be together. And that's the conference and expo that we've got slated for uh, September 28th through October 1st. Uh, you can register at blueberryevents.org. Well, that's it for episode 11. If you're finding value in these podcast episodes, please share them with your friends and colleagues and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries.